Hello and welcome to the Real Exes of Portland podcast, coming to you from Portland, Oregon. I'm Heather. I'm Sophie. And I'm Amy. And we are real women, real friends, with real stories. That are super juicy. And I might add, real boobs. (laughs) And we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at The Real Exes Portland. And we will be hanging out with you guys every Wednesday afternoon. And you know what Wednesday is? Wine Wine Wednesday. Wednesday. Cheers. Cheers. As we eat the watermelon sitting here in front of us, um, we're going to try to speak into our microphones (laughs) as we chew watermelon. And so on that note, hello, everyone. (laughs) We are so happy to be back with you and have another good, (laughs) I'm rolling with this, have another good time chit-chatting about another um, interesting subject. Uh, Today, we are going to have Amy in the hot seat, and um, we're going to talk about another health issue that... I've had a little bit of experience with, Amy's had a lot more experience with, and I do not know if, Mm -mm. and Sophie has not had, nee, 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 does anyone (laughs) want to guess what this is? (laughs) Okay, so with that, Amy, take it away. So tonight we are going to talk about endometriosis. What is endometriosis? So I'm actually going to read the definition of it, because... I need the definition piece. I know what it relates to women's bodies, but the definition of endometriosis is when abnormal tissue is outside the uterus. So you have your endometrium and it is inside your uterus and it's supposed to stay in your uterus and it starts to grow on the outside. So here's the actual definition. It's a disorder in which tissue similar to the tissue that lines the uterus grows on the outside of the uterus in places where it doesn't belong. With endometriosis, deposits of tissue that act just like the tissue lining the uterus develop on the outside of the uterus. The tissue thickens, breaks down, and bleeds with each period, but the blood has no way to leave the body, and it becomes trapped. Holy shit. Yeah. I did not know that part. Yeah, and so so when I started my period, I was in sixth grade, and um, I was like towards the first, first part of... Uh, sixth grade like I just kind of started sixth grade started my period and I was actually at school and my mom I like hit the floor I all of a sudden went from like walking in the hallway going from like classroom to classroom and hit the floor so I don't know if I like for a minute or a second passed out but I hit the floor and had agonizing agonizing pain like pain that was just so bad I couldn't walk I wanted to throw up and I got up and climbed or (laughs) climbed (laughs) walked into the office and um, climbed up on like the nurse's station and had just started my period so I actually don't remember a whole lot about kind of like what happened but my mom's friend, her best friend, picked me up from school. And then I, you know, was introduced to the fact that, oh, I've started my period, which I knew what it was, but you don't know what it is until you've actually started. And so, um, so for me, which, you know, obviously is very funny because I stopped growing in sixth grade too. So literally, I, yeah, I was 5'10 in sixth grade. Well, because don't they what? say, mm-hmm. oh, that yeah. that's tall for sixth grade. Yeah, I grew like three and a half inches the summer of my sixth grade year. Had to go to like physical therapy because my knee, I had such agonizing growing pains. Oh, I know the growing pains are really. Yeah. yeah. And my, I had to go to physical therapy because one knee was like completely jacked from just like growing super fast eat. Yeah. in that amount of time. But yeah, 5'10 in sixth grade. 
taller than every oh. single oh, yes. boy yeah. in junior high. And there was another girl, actually. Uh, she was six foot mm-hmm. our sixth grade year. Holy, because isn't it true, though, that when yeah. girls, once they start their period, they quit growing? Well, no. No, that- not always, but they take a big growth spurt is what I've heard. And um, I just happened, <laughs> I just happened to stop in sixth grade. But no, I was 5'10 in sixth grade. And, and so you wonder, you wonder, was there anyone else in your family that was like that? Mm. No. Mm-mm. So I, so I'm 5'10". My younger sibling, I think she's like 5'2". Uh, the next one, Katie is like probably 5'5". Five, five, and Christy, I think is 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, and then there's me. So my mom's side of the family though is on the shorter side and my dad's side of the family is super tall. Most, like my cousin, who's probably 10 years younger, she's six, six foot, six one. And she was taller than I was when we were younger. So she, she grew super fast. I don't know if, if any of that had to do with like her cycle or anything like that. But yeah. That I'm also thinking, <clears throat> you know, because they're also saying we grew up with all the hormones and milk and dairy and cheeses and when our parents or mothers were pregnant I mean it's actually changed because we have a family member who um is a little lady and she developed quite a bit younger than my sisters and I did and um they're saying because of everything that we have in today's world Mm -hmm. Uh, girls are starting their period around, it could be as early as seven, can be around nine, ten. That is pretty. And then a person could, you know, start their period as late as 18. So um, I was 10. Yeah. So I there's quite a gap in all of that. But um, so you know, grew up super tall. And then when I started having my cycles, they were extremely painful. And of course they tell you that they're painful, but my girlfriends were not having the same level of complaining (laughs) that I was feeling or that at least nobody was talking about it Mm -hmm. then. And then, um, well, we already know in a previous podcast, I was not a sexual teenager. So, um, I was feeling horrible pain and when I use like personal products like tampons, they wouldn't work for me. And that is a whole nother mm. podcast uh, medical issue. But it ends up being one medical issue, which again, we'll talk about it in a different podcast. But I had a completely closed hymen. Um, but it but it also had to do with endometriosis, and I didn't know that. So I went for years having extremely painful uh, periods to where I didn't miss school as much. I don't think I did. Um, I had other fam- female family members who probably did more than I did. But, um, I mean, it could take endometriosis, like period pain could take you out for like three to seven days. It's horrible. You're throwing up. It's ag- You can't walk. You could take ibuprofen or naproxen was a big one back in the day. And it uh, maybe would take the edge off the pain, but, and the hormones were just, they were awful. That's not fair. No young gals should have to go through that, you know? And it's pretty, I mean, not, I haven't, I, as awareness has popped up and more Mm -hmm. people are talking about mental health and actual physical issues back in the day, there weren't a lot of girlfriends talking about this. Now it is, can be very hereditary. Mm -hmm. My mother's side of the family has it. And my father's side, the women on my father's side have it. So we, (laughs) we, you got hit from both sides. (laughs) Oh, poor dear. (laughs) Hit from it. But, um, I would say when I got a little bit older, I um, I 
I could be anywhere. And if I maybe started my period or was having like bad cramping, it would kill you over and you just couldn't walk. I had a boyfriend in high school and we were on a trip with his family and we were climbing the dunes and I actually had to stop. Like I could, he had to help like pick me up and help bring me down the dunes because I had just gotten so crampy Mm -hmm. that I couldn't walk. I couldn't go up and I really needed to get back to the tent. And did you have regular cycles or it wasn't regular? Okay. So no, I have, I didn't actually have a regular cycle until I was in my late thirties. Yeah. I would have a, I would have a period and it could go anywhere from like 27 days to like 90 plus days. It was, and that uh, women who have endometriosis, um, often find that they have either really heavy cycles, uh, cycles that are really, um, you know, come and go. Um, but usually, um, usually the cycles are not predictable. So, and my mom was really good about all of us girls having like the regular calendar and keeping track Mm -hmm. of those things. And so I think that's even more important for today's young gal is that if you have a parent who either A, isn't aware of endometriosis or B, you're not close enough to have those conversations with, your doctor will catch them right away and um, be able to help, you know, facilitate, especially in today's world where we're everybody's talking about it a little bit more than back in the day when it was like really quiet. You didn't talk about those things. So when I got older, I had gotten married. And when it came to like consummating marriage, it wasn't really happening. And I had already had one surgery for the closed hymen. And then I um, it had been like three months and we really couldn't consummate marriage very well. It was extremely, excruciatingly painful. Oh oh my God. And I thought, you know, something's wrong with me. (laughs) Like I'm broken. (laughs) And and, uh, that followed me for a while. And I saw my regular, uh, oh, I saw my regular OB And he was like, I think you have this, because I wasn't sexually active when I was younger, I didn't have an OB, I just had my regular doctor. And then um, the doctor was like, I think you have something called endometriosis. And while they say you can do x-rays, and it may or may not pop up, there's really nothing we could do except for go in and do an endoscopy and look around with a little camera. And he was like, do you think you're there? And I was like, I think I'm there. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know how, I don't want to feel this pain anymore. Supposedly, if you had endometriosis, they would clean it out. Mm-hmm. And then you would start from scratch. And then hopefully you, you know, wouldn't struggle with fertility issues or anything like that. So do they scrape on the outside of the uterus as well? How do they get to the outside? So in this, uh, in my first one, um, I used, my doctor was a little bit old school and they cauterized everything. So they cauterized, they burned the lining. And when he went in and did surgery, I had a, a level three um, endometriosis. So there's four levels. And I had a level three and it was everywhere. And with when endometriosis, that lining grows on the outside, it connects body parts, certain body parts. So like my um, ovaries were attached to like the side of my um like my insides, basically what it ends up doing, it creates like a tree inside of you. And these branches is the lining and it grows and, um, it attaches different body parts to other body parts and it, and then it forms. So all of a sudden now it's like tissue where you're feeling uncomfortable, not only because you have endometriosis, but now because it's all interconnected 
and you have things that aren't moving that should be moving and things that shouldn't be moving are moving. And so it's extremely painful. And then, um, you know, some gals have really long periods. I actually, for whatever, the only part that was very frequent and dependable for me is that I had a bad period for two or three days and then I had like a couple days of spotting and I was done within like five days whereas the traditional endometriosis gout could have bleeding for seven to nine days Mm -hmm. and it would be heavy Mm -hmm. super heavy um so I had my first clean out I did have some cysts and I had some fibroids um that could be pretty normal and um, I actually had a videotaped. I've had all of my surgeries videotaped. So I could see what it was. And um, it, it has like this silvery shimmer lining inside your body. And then my doctor would just go in and burn it out. But of course, they have to be good at what they do mm-hmm. because you burn right through, you know, certain organs. Mm-hmm. And so... There was a couple little tiny areas where you couldn't get it out. I can't remember where it was. I want to say it was like on the back end of my bowels. Um, obviously, you don't want to burn through that. So so the healing is supposed to take about a week, and I was working. <clears throat> and it actually took two weeks. You think, it, you think when you're young, it won't be that big of a deal but it it took me a long time to recover it just knocked me out um and you couldn't move I like it it felt like kind of like a boxing ring inside my stomach and it was all really uncomfortable the good thing that he did say was that it shouldn't come back again he was wrong (laughs) but (laughs) it did it like the oftentimes they will clean it out and a woman will hopefully have babies because they say that once you have a baby or you've had your children it will decrease that didn't happen in my case but oftentimes it does so I had the clean out I had the surgery my OB said if you're gonna start having babies you should start now (laughs) and um And so Tim and I started trying to have kids. And then that OB was in Oregon City, which is kind of a distance from Tigard. And my dad had a client who was a fertility specialist in Portland. And he was one of Portland's top fertility specialists. And he was telling, my dad was telling the doctor that I had struggled and now had been diagnosed with um, endometriosis and was trying to have a baby. And so the doctor said, well, maybe he should, she should come in and be seen by me. So then I started seeing him. And uh, I had my first surgery in October of 2001. And I had to have my second surgery in 2003 I had a second surgery I wasn't still able to get pregnant and so the doctor we had tried all kinds of fertility meds and um those things suck yeah they do and um and I was looking there we were looking to do other things but he's like you know we should just go back in and you know under rare cases uh it grows back and maybe you need another clean out had one in 2023, um, really bad. It was a category three, four, and uh, it was just as mangled as the first time. And um, and he was like, well, it does happen. It doesn't happen often, but it happens. He went in, cleaned it all out, again, had some cysts and fibroids. So there's just this year, 2023, you said? I, twenty. 2003 I should say 2000 so first surgery was 2001 second surgery was 2003 only two years later only two years later with a vengeance Mm -hmm. oh my gosh it did and um then when was Ethan born when we when did you October of 2004 
-hmm. So I got pregnant not too long after the surgery and we did, um, fertility meds and shots and, uh, that, that helped me. So then had Ethan and, um, oh, the other thing that can be associated with um, endometriosis and then having a baby is oftentimes they'll be like, oh, you know, you, if you breastfeed, you shouldn't have a period for like three to six months, could be more than that. So I was looking forward to like no, yes. <laughs> no more period after baby's born, you know. And then I had my period within six weeks. And that was another little glimmer of of a sign saying, while it shouldn't be growing back like it did, um, your body still is not functioning healthy-wise. And so had Ethan um, actually had uh, something that was... Once I had Ethan, I started feeling really bad cramps again. And these actually were coming frequently, like throughout the month. And I thought, what could be going on? And my doctors didn't know what was going on. And I would have these cramps that were so bad. They would put me down for hours. And I'd have like this little nine month, or no, he's about six months old, I guess, by then. But six months old, a six month old and just have horrible, horrible cramping, and it would happen after I ate. So they thought it was my endometriosis issues, and it actually ended up being gallbladder issues. When I was pregnant with Ethan and my body chemistry, um, so, you know, most people have gallstones, so I had something, and they refer to it as uh, gall uh, sand, it's where your body, um, like the gallstones dissolve, but they're still there. And it's, uh, it just like creates sand inside your gall, inside your gallbladder. And, um, they, my, uh, one of the doctors, a specialist I was seeing, he was like, if you don't remove your gallbladder now, you could get pre- you could have issues in your next pregnancy if you wanted to have another baby, which we did, and um, you might need surgery while you're pregnant, and and your baby may or may not live. So I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. I feel like I've already been through the ringer. I've already right. had three surgeries, um, so they removed my gallbladder, and they. They said when they took it out, it like fell apart and like sand particles, gallstone particles came out. So thankfully, I actually had the surgery when I did have it because had I been pregnant, um, that just would have been a disaster. And it it probably would have perforated is what they said. Mm -hmm. So I had that removed and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to feel like a brand new woman. I've had a baby. (laughs) I've had my gallbladder removed. Uh, my endometriosis should be gone. Like I'm, I'm still having erratic cycles, but that's okay. I can handle that. And uh, we decided to try and get pregnant with Caleb sooner because it took us about three years with Ethan. And um, Caleb, I had surgery just before Caleb. I've had a, I've had surgery in between each kiddo. So for the endometriosis. For the endometriosis. And then got pregnant soon after. Yeah. And so um had one with Caleb and uh the endometriosis wasn't as heavy as the first two or three times, but uh was still a very there was a lot of inflammation. And so ha- he went through there, cleaned it out. I had like a fibroid again, not a biggie. Took that out. Um, recovered a little bit quicker because it wasn't as, um, there wasn't as much. Then had Caleb, everything was fine. And, um, but as soon as Caleb was born, I started having horrible periods and cramping. I started my period like a month after, four to six weeks after I had each kiddo and I breastfed them. So 
I feel like that's a wife's tale. <laughs> Whoever says that. Yeah. You don't get pregnant while you're breastfeeding is the other wife. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. how my sister was conceived. Oh, my uh, <laughs> less than three months after I was born. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you guys are so close. <laughs> yes. No. Watch out. My mom told me there's two old wise tales that you should not believe. One, you don't get pregnant the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and the yeah. second oh, one yeah. is you don't get pregnant while you're, you're breastfeeding, breastfeeding or, or just you haven't had your period yet from oh, yeah, not yeah. having a baby. Yeah. Oh, right. She goes, those are the two that you should not believe in. <laughs> yes. Don't. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, no, I'm with you on that. <laughs> it doesn't, it didn't work for me at least. So, so then I had, I got pregnant with Isabel. She was my birth control baby mm-hmm. so I was we uh does the birth control help with the endometriosis oh yeah so oh, lots of thank you for saying that because lots of women do take birth control to help treat or calm down endometriosis and I tried birth control and I tried like three or four different types and I was kind of a raging bitch oh, like no. I just felt hormonally all over the place I tried low estrogen higher estrogen some of the shot mm-hmm. uh oh, yeah. ones yeah. I remember that one and yeah. I, I just felt miserable couldn't function made me sick all the things and I mentally did not feel okay so I went off all the medications all the hormone stuff and um but I was on birth control with Isabel and uh because we just wanted to have two babies and um then yeah then got pregnant then all of a sudden felt funny and knew I knew what that funny feeling (laughs) felt like before and um was horribly sick because all my pregnancies I was sick like within four weeks and was sick with each with Ethan just in the first trimester or the whole oh pregnancy? no oh the whole pregnancy so sick that I had I had to go to the ER and get fluids sick wow. and couldn't lost a ton of weight up front and gained some back and that but Isabel felt a little bit different and so um had Isabel and went a few years and um started to feel bad and now I'm a young mom with now three little people (laughs) and I'm exhausted and I and endometriosis is exhausting um and so I couldn't tell what it was and um was having a hard time just like functioning like getting out of bed so then saw my specialist again and he did another clean out and it was back uh, uh not as more than the last surgery but not as bad as the last two and um i want to say at that point in time yeah i met with my with i met with my doctors and um i had an issue with a right ovary Um, I don't know what it was, but, you know, people have quirky things with their body parts. So (laughs) I had, any time I had my cycle, I I was always in more pain on the right side than the left side. But don't you release an egg from each side? It alternates? Correct. But it didn't matter whether I was ovulating, which ovulate. So for me. I used to, I can feel my ovulation. I remember my ovulation like pain. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Same. So it, the endometriosis would magnify. So you felt pain during your period, which uh, women who usually have endometriosis, they could feel pain for like two weeks. And then when you ovulate, we would feel pain for like a week or more. So we maybe have a week break. For me, it was about four or five days. And then the pain would start over. And then it would be you would feel pain all month except for like four or five days. And so 
Yes. I'm just I've, coming to some realizations I, as you're <laughs> as you're talking because I used to tell my doctors I feel like I only feel good two weeks out of the month. Like mm-hmm. in two weeks and the other two weeks I do not feel good. I so, I when you have talked about mm-hmm. some of your stuff, I've always thought, I bet you she has endometriosis yeah, or something similar we'll we'll get yeah. into that later because I've had a little, little nothing like what your story sure. I only can say a few words but no <laughs> you can't you finish yours and then you know so during ovulation um it's super painful as well and so when I ovulated maybe on my left side I still felt it in the right on my right side. So my doctor's like, you know, you've had issues since the first day you started your period on your right side. Do like, I can remove it. Like if you're done having babies, which I was done having (laughs) babies. Um, he was like, I can remove it. And if it looks really bad, then for sure I'll remove it. And then he asked me if it doesn't look so bad, what do you want me to do? And I was like, remove it. Like, let's, let's get her out of there. <laughs> and, um, and then he also informed me at that time, as in my mid thirties, I want to say, um, cancer, ovarian cancer actually starts in the fallopian tubes. Oh, wow. And, um, he was saying, if you're done having babies and I'm going to take the right ovary out, you know, because you've been on fertility meds and you are you have a higher chance of getting certain uh, cancers, do you do you want me to remove the tube? So I was like, sure, take it all out. I don't care. <laughs> and um, and I actually had been authorized to have a hysterectomy at that time, but the healing time required way too much time with little toddlers. Mm-hmm. And so I just said, let's take the ovary out. Let's look for a clean out, maybe and take the tubes out. So there was endometriosis again, but he removed my tubes and he removed the right ovary. And I am not joking. Within like three days, I felt like a brand new woman. Uh, I had energy. I mean, I obviously just had surgery, so I didn't have that kind of energy, Mm -hmm. but I felt myself um, the other thing I had uh, struggled with, which is funny because I don't have it now, but I, from probably 12 years old, mom probably knows better, but 12 ha- up until the surgery had very, very bad cystic acne all over oh. my face. Oh, I, I mean, those. They and hurt. They hurt, mm-hmm. and it they wouldn't go away. It was like Ugh. one would go away, and it popped up somewhere else. And it was, I'd have to wear, you know, a ton of makeup, or, you know, my tan would hold from the summer, and maybe that would hide some of it. But it was really bad. Went on, you know, Accutane, did all the cream, all the things. That ovary was removed, and within a week, I had no acne. All my acne was gone, and I have... I maybe get a a pimple once a year. I never get it. So as much as acne can be related to a lot of things, I feel like for girls and women, Mm -hmm. it is all very hormonal related. For sure, yeah. So yeah, acne went away. I could walk. I wasn't exhausted. I probably felt pain maybe a week, about a week um, a month. And Mm -hmm. so I was kind of feeling like a brand new gal. And then, um, went like that for about four, five years. And, uh, then I started to feel pretty crappy again. So when was the, when was your divorce during that time? My divorce was in two, well, we separated in 2016. And, um, was definitely feeling pretty crappy then, but I knew I needed a hysterectomy at that point in time. I don't want to keep having, having more surgeries Mm -hmm. because with surgeries comes scar tissue Mm -hmm. and they find it every surgery and you can only have so many holes in your belly button (laughs) (laughs) because that's where, that's where they, that's where they put one of the scopes in. So, um, I knew I was going to need to have a hysterectomy. So 
I got divorced or separated in 2016, was feeling crappier and crappier as time was going on, but single parenting, so you got to do what you got to do, and you just push through it. Mm -hmm. And then um, after I met my husband now, after I met Brian, it was in 2000, he had kind of heard my story and the endometriosis stuff. I met him in... well, I met him at the very end of 2019, but okay. we really started dating in 2000. 2020. 20. Yes. Yeah, I'm like, sorry. Sorry. Wow. You actually no. were with him the whole entire <laughs> the time. Whole time. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> 2020. 20. Okay. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and so this is why we have teammates. <laughs> um, so oh. in 2020, then he was like, you know, you need that. I think you need to have that surgery and it would be better for you to have it sooner rather than later. So in 20, February of 2021, I had it all taken out. And uh, it, there was um, some endometriosis. The other thing that they found, which my surgeon suspected I had, but you don't know until you have a hysterectomy, is something called um, ad adenomyosis Mm -hmm. and I did have adenomyosis and it's extra inflammation in the uterus area in the pelvic floor area and it can be caused by a whole gamut of issues but if you have endometriosis and then you have you know your body isn't operating the way it should be and it really hasn't operated that way ever um you have this extra inflammation and so um, when I tell you those people have endometriosis really bad, I'm not joking. You could insert a, you can insert a tampon and no joke, it will fly right out. It will shoot right out because there's so much inflammation inside and it has no place to go. So that makes sex extremely painful and difficult I mean, the doctors or surgeons, they'll tell, they'll tell you like there's other, there's positions you can do that are less painful, but when they say that until you have your first baby when, and hopefully you have it vaginally, um, that kind of marks and opens up your body to hopefully healing. In my case, it didn't heal like that, but, um, Inflammation, I mean, it's bad when it's on the outside. We've all had inflammation, Mm -hmm. arthritis, you know, Mm -hmm. as we get older, you know, uh, ligament or ailments. But when you have inflammation every single month, it just builds and builds because that blood has no place to go other than to pool. So when they do surgery, no joke, it shows like a pool of blood that they have to go in there and suck out. Yeah. It's crazy, and it's and all of that is painful. It's not supposed to be there. So when I had my hysterectomy, of course, they videotaped it so I could see it. Bye-bye, sayonara. <laughs> have a ceremony. Yeah, have a ceremony, put it in the backyard. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but, um, you know, healing from that particular kind of procedure other than the healing piece, it's amazing. Like, I don't feel any pain. I get, I do sometimes get, what's the pain when something's gone, but... Um, phantom, oh, phantom pain. Yeah, phantom yeah. pain. And they do say that. They oh. do say that uh, people do feel phantom pain, and it goes away. And for the most part, I only hear, feel it here and there. I have one ovary left. Oh, that's right. Um, You're floating over. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my, right. My... my, my uh, my other one went with, I want to say my other one went with one of the first, you know, first surgeries. Yeah, you talked about the removing the Oh, the tube and the ovary, yeah. Yeah, so, the tube and oh, the ovary, right. yeah. yeah. So in a, in a hysterectomy, they t- can take everything out. They'll take, like, the tubes out. They'll take your ovaries out. They'll take your uterus. And... Um, the other thing is, which I don't know anything about, so anybody who's listening, <laughs> don't, don't, you know, don't come and hound us, but you, they can take the vaginal 
uh, that the vagina piece out, which I don't even know what that looks like, but they gave the, they gave that to me as an option. <laughs> I was like, well, do I have issues with would, it? Yeah, would you still be able to have sex? Yeah, you can still have sex, but I don't understand. I was like, I mean, I, is it like, like the what, birth what? canal? Is it like, is there a... You know, I yeah. don't know. I'm yeah. very confused. I know we had to look that up, because, okay. but it was an option. Like mm-hmm. I had to check mark these oh. options, and I got to this piece, and I was like, I don't think I have problems. Nobody has said anything, so I'm not I'm checking that box. Keep that. <laughs> You're still young. Yeah. You're just a youngin. You need that vaginal. <laughs> just keep that piece. Well, what is it? The vaginal what? Piece or something? Yeah. Well. I don't know we've got Google going here people stay tuned I'll talk about real quick while you're looking that up I experienced a little bit of uh, endometriosis I was probably like 19 or 20 and you know I was thinking Amy as you were talking I wish I could go back and get my medical records from back then but I think doctor's offices only keep them for maybe 10 years yeah yeah and this was when I lived up in Washington state and I don't even remember what the name of the clinic was called but I was like oh man I would love but because I remember it was there was a camera it was a laparoscopy that goes in through your belly button and I remember the doctor showing me the video and going over everything with me while we were watching the video and showed me well what I had and it was endometriosis and showed me where it was and what it was and then um, I don't think she actually showed me the act of removing it. I don't mm-hmm. remember that, yeah. <laughs> but said maybe that's just too gross, gruesome or something. But cause I do think it was scraped. I don't think it was cauterized in my case. And, um, but I remember clear back that young being told I would probably never be able to have children because mm-hmm. of it. And what's interesting in all my years of, um, relationships I pretty much never really hardly ever used birth control because it made me feel sick like I tried several different pills I tried the Depo-Provera shots I tried the one that goes on your arm under the skin on your Mm -hmm. arm like a pellet or patch or something and in the end I'm like it's it's just not worth it I'm not gonna And the weird thing is I never got pregnant. I mean, like, even though I wasn't using birth control for years, I never got pregnant. But the strange thing is when I married my first husband, the first time we tried, I got pregnant and I have my, my daughter, my my one beautiful daughter that is just amazing. But after that, I was pregnant two more times and it just didn't take, Mm -hmm. it didn't keep. And not for way into the pregnancy, you know, it wasn't anything like that. It was, you know, early. But um, it just, yeah. So one thing with with the endometriosis does play or can play into is like um, the thickening lining of your uterus. Mm -hmm. And I, you may have had the same hardship, but I, when I needed uh, fertility assistance, um, I could get pregnant and when you... I would say, you know, six to eight weeks or whatever, when they, when you really think you're pregnant, your lining should be progressively getting thicker and thicker. So then you can carry a baby. And so my tissue was super thin. So I could have had, I could have gotten pregnant other times, but couldn't hold the pregnancy because my lining was too thin. I needed a uh, progesterone. Oh, okay. I took vaginal progesterone oh, for okay. a long time, mm-hmm. and over and over time, it thickens it, and then you can have a you can carry a baby. But endometriosis causes a lot of thinning mm. um, for women, and so it's usually not just the one issue. It causes lots of other issues. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So okay. I did find I, it. So okay. like, if you have a total hysterectomy. Which mine was billed under a total hysterectomy. Um, it removes the uterus and the cervix, which is the most common type. Except for mine was billed as a total hysterectomy, but it removed everything. So there's a partial hysterectomy, um, which removes only the uterus, leaving behind the cervix. And then a radical hysterectomy, which... Uh, I don't know if the terms have changed, but 
the a radical hysterectomy removes the uterus, the cervix, the upper part of the vagina, which is usually treated uh, for cancer for women who are susceptible to those, and then um, the ovaries. So my hysterectomy was titled under a total hysterectomy, not a radical. So I don't know if a radical is an old term or not. Yeah. Cause I've always just heard it as a, to- a total. Yeah. I've heard partial yeah. and total and yeah. totals. You're, you're totaled like <laughs> yeah. a car. And you feel like total. <laughs> no. And yeah. so, yeah, it might be from well, a different country. Maybe it's not oh. an American, maybe it's a European um, term. term. Well, and it could, I mean, I do know that, Back in the day, uh, like when our moms had hysterectomies, they were uh, they were a little bit more like a, like a cesarean. You know that mm-hmm. they were way more in, invasive, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. healing took like three months mm-hmm. versus you know six mm-hmm. weeks or two months or whatever. So. Um, I didn't require that. There are still women today that have those extensive hysterectomies, but I, mine was, my doctor had, it was six weeks of healing. So six weeks of, uh, mostly bed rest. Like you really couldn't do much. I mean, I could walk a little bit. I took six weeks off of work, but, um, major, major surgery. Yeah. Your body has been through a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But I I mean, I feel so much better. I, I mean, I really don't have a lot of pain. Those issues long-term, you know, they say sometimes you'll, you know, you'll feel run down and things like that, but I don't think anything more than like life stuff. Right. But but it does concern me about having a daughter. I mean, all a lot of these things are genetic Mm -hmm. and the mere fact that my siblings um, some of my siblings have the same issue and my mom and her siblings had similar issues so um, one thing that I was always taught um, that is a huge thing so if you're listening if you actually have cramps before your period that is not normal (gasps) you were supposed to feel cramps the day of your period and after, but like those awful, like, you know, feeling cramps, you're not supposed to feel cramps before your period starts. And so I've had a lot of girlfriends who struggled with fertility issues, uh, similar issues as me, but the, oh, you have cramps. I mean, my, my fertility specialist, he was like, nope, you're, you're not supposed to feel cramps before your period days before your period it's the day of and after so if there's any issues um you need to talk with your doctor so I had all kinds of girlfriends who were having cramps before their period actually started and their their regular OB would be like oh no it's fine you know blah 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 and I'll be like I think you should get a second opinion with my doctor no joke, most of those women found out, ha- actually had clean outs, had endometriosis. Oh, I remember you saying that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. That's crazy. Yeah. I think I remember like a friend from high school and she was like intolerable. Like she literally screamed yeah. and and um, her mom would, you know, put cold, cold cloth mm-hmm. on her. One time she, it was so bad. She <sighs> went to the hospital mm-hmm. and they actually had to put her in a cold bath. Have you ever heard of that? Not a, mm-hmm. no, not a cold bath, but I, it was an ice, ice. Like yeah, they had kind a, of like wake her out of the, sh- the, shock, the, shock. the shock of the pain. Yeah. Like she was literally losing. I have a family member. I won't say who, but I have a family member where she could be anywhere and drop to the floor and her significant other had to pick her up and take her places. Like if the, if she was at home, take her to in bed. Or if they were out and about, have to literally pick her up and put her in the car because it was just that bad. Yeah. And it's an awful place to be in, especially if you're young and nobody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have a lot of friends when we were late teenagers early 20s but mid 20s a lot more girlfriends were talking about it this just made me think of a time that well this must have been I don't know how old I was but 
halfway into my first marriage, maybe somewhere mm-hmm. in my 30s. <laughs> yeah. I remember a time when I had pelvic pain so horrible that it did bring me to my knees. Mm-hmm. Felt I remember the living room floor and uh, my ex-husband had to pick me up, get me in the car, drove me to the emergency room and they did all these tests. But what I, they didn't really, couldn't really find anything. Mm-hmm. So what they diagnosed me or discharged me, my discharge diagnosis was a ruptured cyst. They assumed oh, yeah. maybe it was a ruptured cyst, but the, I don't think there was any proof. So yeah. that could also oh, yeah. really be. Okay. So absolutely. And usually if you have endometriosis, there are other, you have cysts, you have fibroids, like it's kind of like a garden for cysts <laughs> and fibroids. It's, I, I don't That's think a I've, term to I don't think I've ever it. heard of a girlfriend's yeah. story because uh-huh. we all, all of us actually got videos. So we all watched our, our, <laughs> each other's videos. Every single one of us had uh, multiple cysts or fibroids that needed to be removed. So. Fibroids. I've had them removed. Yeah. And those can be super painful. Oh, yeah. It was painful during my pregnancy. Oh, mine was even outside. during pregnancy. Oh, mine yeah. was outside of my uterus. And, and yeah. then so when I was pregnant with Kyle, as he was growing, so was the... <laughs> so was the, 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 the fibroid. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And it was um, right like, underneath my belly button. And oh. it was like, um, uh, they said it was like 12 centimeters by four or five that's big it's like a potato oh yeah like a big potato yeah and um they said it was uh so he showed me pictures so i didn't get a video but i got a Mm -hmm. picture i got like really really big glossies (laughs) he's like and he's going through and he's like this one was full of fat (laughs) he cuts it and he showed it on the thing that he cut it and it was fat another one was full of liquid another one was yeah so he went through them all yeah and then i was having some pains afterwards and I, and I thought it was my um, liver. I didn't know what was going on. I was, mm-hmm. like, trying to read on it. So I went back to see him. Pulls out the pictures again. This is your liver. See how pink it is? Your liver's fine. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't. It's not your liver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. He was, like, pulling out the pictures, no. pointing out my very pink, beautiful liver. liver. <laughs> Unremarkable. <laughs> I feel like those are better. My fertility specialist, he was drier than dry. He had a dry sense of humor. So he would crack a joke and nobody was laughing because he was so. um, But he he was an incredible. I saw him for many, many, I mean, 10 plus years for aftercare and any, any kind of testing that needed to be done. So. If you're listening to the podcast, if you have cramps before your period, check with your OB. And if your OB and your regular doctor isn't listening, it's good to get a second opinion from a specialist. It's worth the money. All my girlfriends who had pain, discomfort, some abnormalities, but really wasn't sure that it was endometriosis. It did end up being endometriosis. Um but so who else do they like, you know, I know we have to be advocates for ourselves with, yeah. with a lot of these doctors and so forth. And, um, but you know, it's hereditary. So obviously mm-hmm. asking your aunts and your mother mm-hmm. and grandmother yeah. and so forth. My mom prob- and grandmother. Yep. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and I just like, what kind of test? So other than, mm-hmm. so it's a, a ultrasound or is it more no. is an x-ray you said? No, endometriosis is only diagnosed through uh, surgery. Through, through a laparoscopy. laparoscopy. Sorry, in yeah. stereo? No. Yeah. Yeah, that's really? the only way. Mm-hmm. You, they say, so here's an example. So they say you, they can maybe see it on an ultrasound or an x-ray, but multiple of those particular friends had had those, said they didn't have endometriosis or anything like it, then saw the same specialist I saw and then very much had endometriosis and I had video to like to say that they this had This is it. A, probably a really good point for people because yeah. they're probably thinking I have terrible periods, you know, and all I've been, you know, I've had ultrasounds and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I think that's important to understand because we've all had ultrasounds or get, you know, yeah, especially if you're in your fertile years or mm-hmm. trying to get pregnant mm-hmm. or what have you. 
Um, so I have one particular friend. This is a good scenario. If you've been told by a regular doctor, so this particular friend um, lived in Arizona. Her husband worked at a, a an amazing company, well-to-do company, and she saw two of the top um, uh, reproductive specialists in Scottsdale she was told by not only both of those doctors, but her uh, her regular OB and her regular doctor that um, she d- could not have endometriosis. Even though she had the same symptoms I had, she could not have endometriosis. They did ultrasounds and did x-rays and said there was no endometriosis. So then she and her husband moved to Oregon. I didn't know her then, but now I've met this woman she has shared her story. I was like, oh my gosh, I, you have endometriosis. Like you just have it. Like, I mean, you have the same things, same symptoms as I've had and lots of other friends. No joke. Had the laparoscopy surgery, had the worst case my surgeon has ever seen. Oh, that gives me it's, goosebumps. It was oh like the, a level four is the highest you could go. And he was like, if there was a five, she would be a five. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. So even if you've been told and you still feel pain and you still have all these things they say you shouldn't have, um, I re- I mean, I can't say it enough. Get a, get a second opinion from a specialist. And when I say a specialist, I mean a reproductive endocrinologist. They only they only are in the business of reproduction. He was a fertility doctor as well. Um, but uh, issues or diagnoses of the uterus relates to fertility issues. They're kind of hand in hand most often. And so the fact that he was he helped both um is huge well i think that's important so because people probably are experiencing you know symptoms yeah and probably have been told and and are likely only been given you know those two different markers of tests which is you know and maybe some labs too yeah yeah Yeah. but even a ct scan i even had a vaginal well since then in recent years when i've still been having pain ultrasound vaginal ultrasound Mm -hmm. or abdominal vaginal ct scan x-ray you name Mm -hmm. it nope nope you i you have a little fibroid uh that's probably not a causing you you know yeah um maybe you need to work on moving your bowels a little bit Mm -hmm. more but um you know just work on that you're fine yeah no it's exactly what i heard too yeah And and so yep so, but, oh, I need to interject yeah. something. So that's what I was thinking is, but I'm past. So for, if someone's past their reproductive years yeah. and is still having these symptoms, I feel like, well, do I really need to go see this yes. specialist? Well, I mean, so not that could be the old. specialist. Okay. So um, in Oregon, we, I only know of one guy. So when mm-hmm. I needed a hysterectomy, my my mom had said, "Oh, you have this particular family member who is seeing. Um, she's getting a hysterectomy as well. She's had the appointment. She is meeting with a surgeon, and that's all he does. Is in twenty years, he specializes in women's care, a diagnosis like endometriosis or PCOS or uh, what's the other one that I just said about the swelling, abnormiosis." Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and hysterectomies, uh, women's health done there when you're done with it. And so um, she said it is a, a private clinic, but they take insurance, but you'll probably have to pay more. So I thought, you know, I'd much rather just see the specialist. I mean, my OB offered to take it, but I just mm-hmm. don't know. I've right. just not had the best mm-hmm. of luck with just your regular OBGYN. Mm-hmm. So um I saw the specialist. He was like, oh, my gosh, you should have had this removed years ago. But, yes, I will take it out. So um, I saw Dr. Rosen, Dr. Rosenfield in Portland. He has his own women's clinic. The thing, the extra thing that made me want to pick him is that he, while he's a male, (laughs) he works with women specialists 
One is a natural path and the other one is a hormone specialist. So the whole idea is if you're referred to him, he can't, you'll meet with him and have an appointment, but he'd prefer you to then set up an appointment with the naturopath to see if there's natural ways of treating these issues versus having to go through surgery that's invasive Mm -hmm. super expensive Mm -hmm. and um has requires a a lot more than just you know maybe trying some supplements trying some physical therapy of sort pelvic you know physical therapy oh yeah there's that too forgot about that one (laughs) yeah and so to me I was like it's not a surgeon who's just in it to remove all the parts and make easy money Mm -hmm. so I would suggest finding a specialist I don't know necessarily know what that specialist is I'll look for it he's at the Pearl Women's Clinic in Portland but I do think it's important they can do labs they can do the uh, vaginal ultrasounds and then also do like the normal ultrasounds and so one-stop shop yeah and I oh sorry no 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 I this is a good topic I Mm -hmm. this is really good I I think it's it is and uh, and actually the symptoms can vary because I I did not have heavy bleeding yeah so but that's one of the I think that's also why I was dismissed because I know I didn't have the heavy bleeding. Well, when I was look- when you were talking, I was mm-hmm. looking it up, and there were lots of you know subjects like why would you need um, why would you need a hysterectomy and oh, in the top two having ble- heavy bleeding mm-hmm. is in the top two. Right. And I'm like, but I didn't have heavy bleeding, and you didn't have heavy bleeding, but yet you know mm-hmm. I need there's a pain right. There's, yeah, there's pain, and there's a whole gamut of things. I mean. Uh, women who have um, GI issues, you could Hello. Have, yeah, you could have GI issues because you just have GI issues. But uh, I was told by the specialist that most women who have GI issues, it's actually not because you just have GI issues. It's really endocrine related. Oh, right. Wow. Wow. So that's crazy. Yeah, it is. I've been well educated today. Yes. Educated. <laughs> I did not get to write down any real X's made up words today. These were all real in the medical field. But, um, you know, I love telling our stories because these are real, actual, real life, you know, things that have happened to us and experiences. And that's what we just need to reiterate is that we're not here to diagnose anyone. No. And, you know, we're not giving medical advice. We're just telling our story yeah. and hopefully, and then you need to make your own decision on how you might proceed. But yeah, you know, and if you hear this and you want information, please message us through Instagram or Facebook or on our podcast. Isn't there an area mm-hmm. on Spotify yep. you yep. can ask? Reach out to us because we can get you information as well. But I think it's important to share these kinds of things because if you, I mean, I was raised with three other girl siblings, but if you were raised as um, one gal and you and your mom aren't close enough to talk about it or aunts or family members, then you really you your education system is the school system and we know how that <laughs> how good that is yeah. and so I right think it's important to talk about these yeah. things yeah no that's a good story yeah thank you this was good this mm-hmm. was deep today <laughs> it was good um so thank you yes I'm just taking a deep breath um why are we not drinking wine? We uh, should be. I'm yeah. not sure. Uh, we've been eating watermelon instead. I'm not sure. You're what, slurping. What is the health benefit of watermelon? <laughs> Hydration, I guess. I guess those are fiber. Okay, yeah. good. Because yes. I do have GI issues. Mm-hmm. I'm always. I need both hydration and fiber. So there we go. <laughs> oh, thank it's you. True. Thank you, Sophie, for providing the watermelon. <laughs> and okay, I think as they say, that's a wrap. All right. All right, you guys. Thank you. Let's do a cheers with our water bottles. Cheers. Happy Wine Wednesday. Bye. Hey, guys. Just a reminder, this podcast is presented solely for entertainment and educational purposes. 
we are just friends, me, Amy, and Heather. We're not qualified professionals. This is not intended to replace any professional physician, doctor, medical advice, um, or what have you. We are just friends talking about our experiences and just want to make sure that you take the healthy route and be safe and happy. Love you. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We really appreciate you listening to us, and we look forward to hanging out with you next Wednesday. Please join us. And in the meantime, please follow us on Instagram at The Real Exes Portland. Also, we would love to hear from you and hear some of your juicy stories. You can email us your stories at rxop.yourstory at gmail.com. Until next week. Bye. Bye.